Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Sourcefine Asia, co-host of the main channel podcast and the host of the Sourcefine Asia YouTube channel, of course, back with another podcast. This episode is uh, a long time coming. I haven't spoken to, I hadn't spoken to John Graham Harper in a little bit over a year. You know, it's been weird with COVID. Like, I haven't been in the usual groove of podcasting. And, you know, everyone's like, you know, isolated or in their, you know, home countries and things like that, sort of readjusting to life. So it was good to, to reconnect with him. I think this is the fifth time or fourth time we've had him on the podcast. If you didn't know anything about uh, John's story, he essentially got stuck in China because he'd um, taken a loan from a potential business partner and that loan, you know, they had, they had a falling out and the the guy who he borrowed the money from used the Chinese court system to kind of block John from going out of China. So the way it works in China is if you owe money and you took out a loan and you owe money and you can't pay it back, uh, you can essentially get arrested and sent to jail. Um, and, and then you have to come out and, and start paying. If you can't meet the payment plan or whatever, you, have, you go back to jail. So a lot of times what happens is people game the system and they'll lend you money and then immediately file a court case saying that you know you can't pay you haven't paid back the money or you're failing to pay back the money or whatever and then essentially what they're doing is trying to get you to pay back the money that you owe but also settle out of court and give them more money so it's like a it's like a system that they 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 use to scam people uh, and this is a, a, essentially what happened with john is um you know he planned on paying back the the money that he owed um, they had an agreement, uh, just that they had a falling out, and then the guy registered the court case, and then, you know, John wasn't aware of the court case, so, you know, it kind of, they actually went to court, and he lost, obviously, because he didn't show up, and, uh, yeah, he tried to leave the country for Christmas, and they, they kind of took him to a back room in the airport and told him, hey, like, you know, you owe this money, and you lost this court and court case and all this stuff, so it was a pretty scary experience for him, but, you know, the last update is that he's paid off everything. Uh, we've had four episodes, I think, before where we explained the story more in depth and what was going on and updates throughout the case. So if you want to go back and listen to those, uh, those should be linked up in the show notes. But yeah, man, is I you know what I really what I really enjoy about John is just like you know how positive he is about the experience. Um, he's never he's never been bitter about it. I mean, I'm sure there's some anger towards the guy. But in terms of, you know, China and, and the Chinese system and all that stuff, he's always done the thing that I always tell people to do is like instead of fighting against the system, work within the system. And a lot of times the system will work better for you if you work within the system. Of course, in this situation, he still ended up having to pay the money. But, you know, he's made a lot of friends. He's made a lot of connections. He's got a fucking story for life. You know, we get to learn from his experience. So it, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, without further ado, enjoy the podcast. Previously on the Made in China podcast with John Graham Harper. I'm trying to, I was going to go leave the country to see some, uh, one of my best friends from Australia had a, had a birthday party in Vietnam and I got stopped at the border. Then two like uh, police guards with like GoPro cameras on their chest came. They took me to this like holding area. And they were like, sit down, don't talk, don't move, empty your pockets. You know, so I'm putting all my, all my stuff down. And I'm thinking like, what's going on? What, what is, I'm just racking my brain. And I keep asking them, I'm like, yo, what is it? What, what is this? What, what, what matter is this? Right. 
And they were just like, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. I submitted new evidence into a much more superior court. In Shenzhen, there's, there's a court called in Shenhai, Shenhai area. Then there is a court in Futian, which is called the middle court. The middle court in Futian is the second most powerful court in all of Guangdong. So there I put um, evidence to uh, request that basically the case from Shenhai be reopened. But mind you, this is a separate case. It's considered a separate case according to the system. So the exact words from the lawyer were, um, hi, John, we received a decision on your application for retrial this morning, and we are sorry to inform you that the application has been denied. The court rejected the retrial application primary on the ground that it was not brought within the period stipulated by the relevant statute, which would be within six months of the effective date of judgment. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. The last time we spoke in depth would have been sometime last year. But I think the last time you were on the podcast was maybe even the year before that. Yeah, time and flies, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like 2020 is just like a wash. Like uh, it's like a lot of, pe- a <laughs> lot of people. A lot of people like it's a write-off. Yeah, it's like a lot of people. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I spoke to you six months ago. It's like no, actually, it was a year and a half ago. Like, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it was the last time we spoke. You were kind of transitioning with the court case. I know that in the end there was a settlement, which I think, which happened last year, I think the settlement, and then you've been sort of paying that off and you, you paid it off completely at the stage, right? Yeah. It's basically this whole saga, this, this wonderful learning experience, this journey that I've been on that I love to talk about. I tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about it because foreigners, uh, you know, any expat doing business in China, they actually benefit a lot from the story. They can pick certain parts from it and then you know they can apply it to sometimes with their situations but all of this ended uh christmas eve christmas eve 2021 on christmas eve it was done that was that was my big christmas present that this whole journey ended um it's not not a happy ending in a sense that um i want anything it's a sad story because i yeah i had to pay a lot of money i lost the appeal no matter what the evidence that I had, it didn't actually count for much. I still had to pay out everything. But the good part is that I learned a lot. Obviously, it was a good lesson. I gained a lot of you know friends, connections through this. You know, and most importantly, I actually started a new business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a COVID baby now, bro. I have a COVID <laughs> baby business. <laughs> you know, you know, you get these people that are like during COVID, they started a business and you're like, is this a COVID business? And like, yeah, yeah. COVID business. Yeah. So I have my own COVID business that um, I've started. I'm well, it was kind of like it was kind of like when the, the, the economic crisis happened in 2008. Um, there was a huge influx of, of entrepreneurs because a lot of people lost their jobs and had to figure out how to make money and you had all these people starting businesses because of that so that's right so i've got my own now and i'm very very happy about that so it it is i mean going back probably the last time i i talked to you i was going for an appeal right so i was appealing so 
the big mistake, every, anyone who wants to get freshened up on the story. So I had a, um, I had a business, I had a gym business. I couldn't handle this business. The costs were too high. The rent was high, the, the staffing. I was actually in debt. I owed management. I owed um, rent, right? I was, so I took a loan to pay it off. And I was trying to figure out at the same time what to do with it, how to yeah. you know, shift the responsibility. Do we close? You know, how do we move everybody? How can we exit this in, you know, in a proper way? So I took a loan, paid off all the debts for one month, thought maybe you know, I'll, I'll spin things around. I'll get a big you know, influx of members, I can pay off the next month's rent, but that's not how it went. I ended up having to take another loan. And then basically what I said to the guy that I took the loan from, who was very passionate about owning a business, he had a lot of, he wanted to have his own gym. He had a lot of contacts that he felt he could use and push into the, into the gym. So the short story is I basically said, how about this? You give me that second loan and now the gym's yours. The collateral, you own the gym and I'll even work for you. I'll be a gym manager. I'll do what I do best. I'll be in the gym, you know, training people, motivating the other trainers to work. And that was the agreement. And then we had a falling out. He got all upset. Though The details of that, you know, uh, you can see in some of the other media um, uh, talks I've done. But is there, any, um, just anything, speak, is there anything like any... Um... I guess any media you want to link up specifically. Remember, oh, Michael when, Michelini, his uh, his um, his uh, show has been great, right? Um, he's yeah, because I remember when we, when we spoke going into your appeal, you were still at a stage where you couldn't really give all the specifics. Right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, because because then you kind of give away your strategy, right? And if the yep. you know the plaintiff hears it, they may then prepare, you know, in case the appeal goes through and we actually are in court, they may prepare stuff. But yeah, the so so it kind of like um, uh, yeah. So he we had a falling out, and then he uh, he left. He was threatening. He was he was like, "I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna break your legs." He was kind of talking big and at the time, I just I just thought he was you know I thought it was full you know it was full of crap. So we like broke communication, delete, don't talk to me, leave me alone. You know, you're just a joke. I, I basically just, you know, thought like he's, he's not, um, he's not serious. And then later on, I'm trying to leave the country and I couldn't leave the country. And I was told I have a, a case and I need to address the case first before I'm allowed to leave the country. So got to, it took me about two months to even figure out what was going on, like connect all the dots of how I was but basically what had happened is the entire case had gone through, you know, the verdict had been given and I was stuck with, you know, with a verdict and a big bill that I had to pay. So, yeah. I, so I, I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to just, how am I, am I going to pay this off? No, this is wrong. I'm going to fight this. So to fight it, I had to get a lawyer. Then the one lawyer that I did wasn't really confident. I didn't have a lot of confidence in that lawyer. So I changed lawyers. Um, and then, you know, we, we started to put together a plan and the plan was to appeal um, the case in a court that was higher up than the court I was sued in. Um, good strategy. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying it wouldn't work if anyone else tried this. Maybe it does depend a little bit on the lawyer. As of today, I do know a lawyer that I think actually Michael Michelini's lawyer, who I feel probably would have been able to navigate the middle court, the higher court, rather than the Chen High Court. She probably could have navigated it a bit better. But long story short, I put the appeal in. It, in, it took over a year for them to finally review the appeal. And then they just rejected it. And they rejected it 
purely based on the time that I had to make an appeal was up. And yeah. that, that was it. E- even the lawyer that gave me this news, they said, it looks like even though you had the evidence, you did show everything clearly. Like this was a wrong case. This was false. He was, this is a trick. You know, he's a scammer. It didn't that the evidence, they couldn't acknowledge it. They just had to simply stick with the rule is you had this much time to make the appeal. You that time left. And now, you know, we just have to, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, continue on. So, but during the time when I was trying to make the appeal, the plaintiff actually pushed the enforcement court to come after me. (laughs) And it's something that, um, that expats, you, you do need to, to watch out for this. If you do, if, if there is some legal uh, way that you owe money, um, based on the circumstance, based on the case, the plaintiff can actually go and push the enforcement court. And this is a diff, this is different to the actual court. It's a different building. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole different system. And the enforcement court has a whole judge list as well. It has people going in and out. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole nother part of the whole legal system here. So they can push the enforcement court to come after you and pressure you, pressure you for money. So that's what happened to me. I was in, I was actually at one of my boxing events and the enforcement judge walked in with another, with a translator, two court representatives, another, uh, like a lower level judge and four cops. They all walked in as I'm on the, in the event in stage with the, the microphone, welcoming everybody to this boxing fight I'm hosting. Right. So that was a tough night that took like three hours of negotiation. I'm, I'm just racing through the story for anyone who's just listening in. Um, but of course you could go back to the previous episodes and obviously on my, my, uh, my page, you can see a lot of the old episodes and everything. So yeah, it was like a three hour negotiation. And basically I realized that, yeah, uh, I, that's when I learned about what the enforcement court is. They're here. They're trying to pressure me for money. That's what's happening. Like it's either I make a payment plan. I talk about money or I'm going to detention. You know, I'm not going to use the word, even though they said the word jail to me on that day, they were wrong. You're actually supposed to say detention because as an expat, I think they, they write a letter to your embassy. They, they write a very quick letter. And by China law, any expat can be detained for 15 days without fully notifying your embassy. Meaning like, I don't, you know, I, I don't call my embassy and like, you know, work out some arrangement. They can, there, there's a letter that they can write up, send it to the, the embassy and then just grab me, put me in detention. And that's where, that was the option. It was that or, or talk, start talking money. So started talking money and we came up with, we came out with a payment plan. I signed off on it. Good to go. All right. You know, this is it. I, I just, but because I'm thinking the appeal, right. I'm thinking I've also got the appeal. So yeah, maybe I'll have to pay a few months, but then the appeal is going to go through Then That's going to, the enforcement court's going to stop and then I can fight it. I can get the money back. Right. But that didn't work out. The appeal got rejected. So I ended up just having to pay. I just hustled hustled, didn't borrow anything. I, di- I didn't want to put pressure on any of my friends, my family. You know, I just said, you know, I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll figure it out. You know, you know, if it means you have to work day and night, you know, you've got another whole, you know, eight hour slot that you use for sleeping. There's ways that you can figure, you know, figure your shit out. Um, and it, I, yeah, I managed to, to do it. I managed to get it done. So it was, um, yeah, it was good learning experience, but um, I'm stronger quick, quick for question it. with the, um, sort of the, the enforcement court that day when they come and then you have to start talking about money. Do they need you? Like, what is that conversation when you start to talk about how you're going to pay them back? 
Yeah. Like how, how, you know, do they just take your word on it? Do you have to sign, I guess you have to sign some documents. Do you have to make a payment in that moment? Like what's, what's, what's happening there? They'll, they'll make it very clear. They'll be like, you're going to jail. And I'll be like, I'm not going to jail. And they're like, well, you have to pay. And I was like, well, I can't pay everything now. And then they'll say, okay, like, what can you pay? What, what can you write? So you start formulating and negotiating the contract right there. And the plaintiff yeah. is the one that actually brings them to find you. For them to actually know exactly where you are at that time, it's the enforcement court's not that easy to move. You, do, you have to push them to, to work for you. They won't yeah. just go walk the streets and start looking for you. Like they need to know what time is he going to be there? Okay, what's, you know, they, they need to be sort of organized, right? But yeah, the, the enforcement judge was right, was there the whole time. And throughout the entire time of enforcement payments, I, uh, I met up with the judge a couple of times because I actually went in to argue it. I was like, you know, this is outrageous. I want to renegotiate. And she was like, no, if you sign that document, you have to pay. So I was like, all right, you know, like, like I tried everything. I've tried every little angle from the law as possible, bringing evidence in, showing that they, they do not care about the old case. They don't care about the appeals. All they care about is the, exactly what they're trying to do. And that is to, to make, get money out of you. Right. But yeah, towards the end, it got a little bit tense because he claimed that I paid late and he wanted more money. So I went into the enforcement court and I asked for the judge and I was arguing. I was like, this is, he is, he is stealing. Like he, this isn't, this isn't right anymore. And actually, to be honest, she agreed. She was like, yeah, she actually was, the, it was such an ironic thing. The judge was saying, yeah, like he, he's not a good person. We know this, but he is using the law. He knows, he knows like the, all the little clauses and sub clauses he knows yeah. how to use it because so, because this is this is what he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, this is, and it's so ironic because she said it, and then the assistant was like, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know he, yeah. She, they were both kind of like, I was like, oh, I well, it's nice to at least that they know where I'm coming from, but yeah. they were like, but our hands are tied. Like we we in our position, we have to honor these certain you know, points and everything that this is part of the whole legal system in China. And yes, people can abuse it. People can use it to trick people. This is what happens. You're, I mean, you're just the unlucky guy, you know, so what are you going to do? Right. So I was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to pay. So I ended up actually even having to pay more than what was on the contract, you know, as a, as a quote unquote penalty, right. That it was like a little gray area that even though I had my, my case, it was, it was so far into it. We were almost at the end it was just a case of like, okay, I'm, I'll pay it. I'm, let's be done with it, right? You know, I, I've got the rest of my life to make this back and to, to smile about it. But, you know, let's not go backwards now. Let's not U-turn and, you know, let's get this finished and move forward. Get 2020 over and done with. <laughs> so, yeah, Christmas Eve, that was the day it was all done. Yeah, and I'm very, very happy about it. I'm thankful to everyone who did support in, and helped share the story out. Even though we didn't have the outcome we wanted to, it, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to think that I did learn from it. And at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll be better for it. Cost, you know, we're, we're talking, there's about 400,000 renminbi that I ended up having to pay out this, this cost me. But, you know, like, I don't want to think about it. Is that, in, well is that including it. the, is that including lawyer fees or? Lawyer fees, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lawyer fees weren't that high because the agreement I tried to make with the lawyer that is if that she could help me, that um she you know I, I could 
I could pay her, but then maybe, maybe that wasn't a good idea. It probably wasn't a good idea to do that. Maybe, but then I would have had to probably have paid much, much more. So my lawyer fees were actually quite small, very, very, quite small. So, yeah, I mean, I go, I mean, it could have, should have, would have, there's a lot of things I probably should have done. And the more I think about it, it's just not healthy. <laughs> it's kind of, it's better just to just try to, to put it behind forward. you, move forward. Yeah kind of learn, uh, learn from it. Yeah, no, I think it's it's important. To, I th- at some stage, it's like if you're fighting something and, and you know, you're sort of fighting a losing battle, it gets to a stage where it's like the the effort that you're putting in ends up just draining you. And it's like, okay, I just need to put this behind me and, and move on with my life because it's, it's not worth the mental strain and, and the issues that you're dealing with. I guess one, I guess one last question I had about that whole situation is, you mentioned the the middle court and the Chen High Court. What, what else do you think your lawyers could have done differently in retrospect? Okay, so yeah, this that's a very, very good question because I, I think about that a lot. So one thing my lawyer didn't tell me is about the enforcement court. Nobody t- told me about this. I had no idea that building even existed. And yeah. in Shenzhen, where I'm based, that building is a, it's, it's a massive building. It's a, it's like a freaking skyscraper. And mm. I've asked like, what else is this building for? And they're like, no, this is just enforcement. This isn't even like court or, or th- there's yeah. no law firms in there. This is just enforcement. It's a, it's a massive dark Gotham looking building that yeah. is in Shenzhen that I had no idea existed. So the lawyer should have told me about that. They should have told me that, yes, we're appealing. It's going to, you know, this is great. You're gathering evidence. I spent months gathering evidence like WeChat groups and calling people up and saying, could you provide this statement? Can you provide that receipt? I spent so much time getting evidence to package it and then make the appeal. I had no idea that he was able to activate this part of the legal system and have the enforcement court come after me. If I knew that, I would have done things differently. I would have done things very differently because then the strategy would have changed to perhaps like negotiation. I would have yep. seen, or I would have, I would have looked at, looked at, there's a lot of other options that I would have done because I would have known that this thing is that this could happen, right. That they could come for me. Right. So I would have, I would have planned accordingly, but that, that event, like I talked about with the event where I was sitting in, you know, with the microphone in the ring and everyone's coming in and they came that was a very shocking night. I had no idea. Like I was, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't yeah. have a strategy for it. And I just kind of like, it, it took like, it was three hours of negotiation. And it was to the point where they were like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't budging. Like I wasn't saying yes. And they were like, okay, we're going to jail. And I was like holding the table. I was like, no, 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 we're staying here. Like I'm, and I was like, can I come tomorrow? You know, can I pay you some money or can I give you my passport? And then I go and then I like, uh, and they were just like, no, no, no. And I, that night I learned about that. And that would have been very helpful to have known that because I would have had a different strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There there was one other thing, but I, because I remember there were two things. There's one other thing but I can't remember it right now. I think that was the main, the main thing, the main mistake that I would have to say, you know, you know, with respect that, yeah, law, that was the mistake. The lawyer did, they did not tell me about this, the, the enforcement court. <laughs> how, how do you feel? I guess one thing that a lot of people think about is the sort of legal system in China and, and 
you know, how that works. And then especially as a foreigner navigating that, how do you feel about it now? I think when you first started, you were optimistic, you know, and, and you understood that it's going to be difficult, obviously, because of language barriers. And it's just a different system completely from what what we're accustomed to in the West and, and stuff like that. But what are your thoughts on just the Chinese legal system as a whole and how it works? Yeah, that's a good question, right? There's a couple of different ways to think about it in that way. Like you, you know, I know that there's a lot of foreigners, a lot of expats here that have been in court and they've won. You know, I, I've, I know a lot of stories where people have like won, you know, trade rights deals and, you know, trademarking and stuff like that. There's been a lot of cases where they've won. Then there's, of course, there's a few expats that have, you know, it hasn't gone in their favor. But then most importantly is, you know, the Chinese, they do this a lot to themselves as well. Like the, this horror stories that I that I have, it actually happens all I'm the sure, time. I'm sure China, it's, more, right? it's actually probably more common towards yeah. Chinese, like between each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you're always thinking like it's pro- I, I don't. And, 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 and actually, you know, th- right when this was all ending on Christmas Eve, when I was li- like, I had that the enforcement judge, I have a WeChat. She gave me a WeChat. Right. Yeah. And um, I, um, you know, just talking to her. <laughs> And when she that's told also, me that's that also, thing, that's also a, a thing that would only happen in China. Is you, you, yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. adding that's your, right. imagine being, uh, you know, being <laughs> to be taken to to jail in the states and or in Canada and getting the judge's WhatsApp. Like, yeah, could you like, just, oh, would you mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, but the, what are you, up you know, to? I remember, my judge. yeah, if I remember that um, that day and I remember when I told her that and I was like, he's a really bad man. I remember I remember when she said, yes, yes, we know. We know like we know we know your situation in this. We know you're right. We know all that. When she said that, I kind of I was like, oh, it kind of it felt good. Right. So it kind of made me think like, yeah, it's not I wouldn't say the legal system is biased here. I think you just need to be one step ahead. And it does apply to everyone, right? After she said that, I was kind of like, yeah, I think I was just too slow. If I was quicker, you know, because, you know, the big mistake I made in all of this is I just didn't acknowledge that I had a case. I probably, like I've said in previous times. At the beginning, you didn't know. At the very beginning. Someone, I'm sure someone called me. I I probably had one phone call and I just didn't recognize the number and I was like hung up. Um, So I tell everyone that probably do answer, answer the phone. But also I did tell the judge, I said, you know, I did tell her, like, I was like, that's the problem. I didn't know about it. And I said, you probably should call me more. You can't just call me once. So they, literally only, answer, they only called one time. It's like, well, I think the, I think one or two times they'll call yeah. you once. They don't even, and then the they'll wait two days something like that, and but... that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Text <laughs> message or do just yeah. constant calling. Calls, don't don't yeah. call, miss the call, wait three days, then call again because yeah. It, it, you know, you should you don't call, even recognize, call, 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 call. You don't even recognize yeah. the number at that stage. Like if you, if you get yeah, yeah. A, a random phone call from a number you don't recognize, and then that number calls you two or three times afterwards, then you go, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe this is somebody that I know and then I'll, I'll pick up. But yeah. if you just get one and then it's like three days later, it's like, yeah, okay, I don't remember this number anyways. So, yeah. That's right. And you could be busy again and you could just yeah. be like, I don't have time right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made in China podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Asia. 
all one word. Cheers. It's cost me a lot. Hey. It's cost me a lot. Just one of them days. A nigga feel like flossing. A stone cold stunner. Bitch, I'm Steve Austin. Cool as Drew Brees. I'm blowing a few G's just to hear them hoes say that he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, remember when you fronted on me Pulled up beside me in a big body and stunted on me I went to bouncer just announced that it was bottle service only Then he kicked me out the line, yeah, he punted on me Well, look, I'm back, bitch, back with an attitude Buying out the bar, cause I feel like it's shit I gotta prove Last year the cashier told me my car was not approved Now I'm tipping the server hundreds to show my gratitude Easy, told you I'd be back, baby, guess you ain't believe me Now I'm living just like them niggas you see on TV